This is Discover Your Dog, the show that demystifies your dog's behavior so you can get the best results from your dog training. This show is brought to you by FamilyDogFusion.com, the online training community where dog lovers from all walks of life can learn how to help their newest puppy or even their oldest dog become the best, happiest member of the family. Get your free membership with access to professional online dog training at FamilyDogFusion.com. This is Devin Best, co-founder of Family Dog Fusion and co-host of Discover Your Dog. In episode 19, Benny Copeland, the raging bull of Ridgebacks, opens your eyes to the effects of diet on your dog's behavior. Also, learn which key canine resource you should take your time in finding and cultivating. And stay tuned for the decisive answer to whether or not you should feed your dog human food. All in this inconclusive episode of Discover Your Dog. Sir, we are talking today about things relating to dogs. Yes, we are. This is a dog-related show. Things related to dogs? Things, concepts. Food? <laughs> it is about food today. It is about food. Yeah, so the deal, the deal is uh, dog food versus human food. And we'll get into our topic here in just a few minutes. What's been going okay. on? Uh, actually, we got some feedback from one of our, our listeners that they just, what, what was the phrasing? Skip through our crap at the beginning. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was, it was funny. Um, yeah, she said that she doesn't listen to the, she just skips through like the first uh, 10 to 12 minutes because, you know, we just talk. Uh, she, the other thing that she said is that she noticed that we always stay on topic. Huh. Good. You noticed that. Now, I don't know if she heard the episode where we talk about that or not, and she has not listened to all the episodes. Okay. And, uh, yeah, she was telling me that she goes, you know, I just want to hear about the dog training. I just skipped through to where you guys are going to talk about dog training. <laughs> I guess it's good that we have that little musical intro so people can stop when they hear that as it's fast forwarding. I actually considered you know, paring down the opening segment. And, you know, last week, our opening segment for episode or last, uh, it was episode 17. We talked about the music and the people who had died in the music industry. And we, the original recording was roughly, you know, 17 minutes of us talking about music <laughs> and karaoke. And, you know, so I pared that down to, I think six or seven minutes. And I think it, I think it served the show pretty well. So, you know, it was just paying attention to feed any feedback from our audience is good feedback from our audience. And, um, even if she was, uh, intoxicated and frustrated with you for whatever <laughs> set of reasons it's still yeah. <laughs> you know it's funny um i since she has said that i have really looked at how i do things like the same way so i'm watching a netflix series and i let it let the seconds count down instead of just hitting go to the next series if i'm going to watch the next in the series and what'd you notice if i hit the play button it starts from the very beginning and i have to watch all that Right. You no know, beginning stuff. If I let it count down the seconds and play on its own, it skips all of that. Isn't that awesome? Time. And it's unique to every show. It knows exactly like I was watching House of Cards the other day and, it, and I let it play through and it skips me 53 seconds into it, you know, because it skips right. past all the intro, which I yep. love. Uh, two, it's little over two minutes on Dexter. I re, that's right. Exactly. I right. That, that. that opening sequence to Dexter is so, uh, well, 
it, it, the noises, the him shaving his face, you know, that yeah. really, oh, it goes all through me. So I, I love it. You love, I love it. it. <laughs> I like the close up of him eating and stuff like that and, and doing his teeth. <laughs> See, that's the ironic, that, not ironic. That is, that is a key difference between you and me is I, I don't know what that's called. It, it, that sort of thing drives me crazy. Yeah. Yes. And I tend to organize my life in such a way that I don't subject myself to that sort of stimulation. Yeah. Yeah. Have you watched Dexter? Every bit of it. Man, I was kind of disappointed at the end. Oh, you've watched all the way through? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was disappointed as well. I was really expecting, um, well, what did you hope? Did you hope that he would go off with the... Uh, well, now are we going to be Are we gonna be a, uh, <laughs> what, what do you call a spoiler? Yes. We are? No. No, I'm not, not I, I, cannot, I cannot stand spoilers. Yeah, I can't either. Well, spoiler alert, anybody. Everybody dies at the end. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you want to know the truth, that's what I was hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how I always answer anything. How did, hey, how that movie? Oh, man. Everybody, everybody died at the very me. last second. <laughs> it was terrible. Right. Well, what else has been going on, man? Oh, we haven't even talked about it. We won't directly address it in this episode. I will point out for the audience, something is keenly different about the last two episodes. Um, in our show, and I, I'm very curious if uh, if anybody notices what's different in the episode, uh, email us at familydogfusion at gmail dot com. And uh, I don't know, can we give them something? Uh, give them? Well, you could give them a hint. You could maybe tell them what it's not. What? <laughs> of course, that's not speaking in the affirmative. It's definitely not. <laughs> even that sentence isn't speaking in the affirmative. Right. Even what I said, not speaking in the affirmative. This is a very difficult concept to teach. Well, we'll, we'll leave it at that. If, if anybody notices, email us at familydogfusion at gmail.com. And uh, we'll probably mention your name on the show. Or You guess it. We are going to mention your name on the show. Yes. It's, it's not a guess. It's no. very obvious. Very obvious change and a long overdue change. I might add. Thank you very much for joining us in the in the twenty uh, first century. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, now we know where the change was <laughs> <laughs> on your end. <laughs> who made the change? Correct. So there are hints. There are definitely <laughs> hints and allegations, and uh, yeah, and allegations and things left unsaid, <laughs> which we'll let it go. So it's been a good week, man. Uh, lots of stuff. Lots of stuff cranking and. Um, we got a good topic for today, uh, and it was a very surprising, you know, topic because I fully expected that there would be some kind of conclusive decision, one way or the other, to to feed dogs human food or to not. And I fully, I fully thought that you would come up with some sort of stance to take. And as a matter of fact, in our pre-show planning, we talked about. Well, I said let's take a stance on this, and then as we got into discussing the notes, I realized that there's not much of a stance to take. Right. You know, it's a little inconclusive and a lot of it's opinion based and there's just as many opinions in one direction as there are in the other. So I suggest that we launch into it and see what comes out at the other end. What do you think? Let's do it. Putting TED Talks and NPR together in the same show is, I'm telling you, it's my, it's my nirvana. I've been, since I, since I got into this show last week, just so everybody knows, our audience knows, it's the NPR TED Radio Hour podcast. Right. And the production value is enormous. Uh, the host is named a guy named Guy Raz, and they take TED Talks and they juxtapose them with interviews from the people who gave the talk. So they'll take the audio from the talks, they'll do an interview with the person about the, the presentation and about their topic, and they'll splice them together in that very NPR rich sound with the, you know, the gentle music and the sound effects that they put in there. And the result is this amazing 52 minute program every week that, um, 
makes my brain go in directions that I love it to go. It, I feel expansive. I feel thoughtful. And I, I love Is it. There I can't any about food. You know, I haven't seen any about food uh, yet. And um, I'm listening to one today on, on the idea of success. It's got Tony Robbins in there and he debunks this idea of success. Mm-hmm. And um, what about um, you were, you were listening to one about the seven deadly sins, right? What about gluttony? That's the first one that caught my attention. There's a common thread in each of the sins. And the sins, if I remember correctly, are envy, greed, wrath, gluttony, lust, sloth, pride. They have different dynamics to each of them. You know, each of the sins, most of them involve overindulgence in something or overobsession with something. Mm-hmm. And gluttony is one of those things. And one of the things that they defined it, it, it really caught my attention was if I will eat a, eat a food just to deny somebody else from having that food, like the last, uh, right. you know, mint chocolate or whatever, take that last one out of the bowl <laughs> just to keep somebody from having it. Right. That's a form of gluttony. It doesn't have to be, you know, there's this classic scene. Did you ever see Monty Python's The Life of, no, The Meaning of Life. Did you see The Meaning of Life? Of course. Oh my God. There's this guy there named Mr. Creosote. It's an episode. Yes. Of, and Mr. Creosote <laughs> is the most enormous. Mint? Yeah, just it's so it's wafer thin. It's just I couldn't possibly do it. Couldn't possibly, you know, and then he, you know, I don't even want to go into it because the the upshot is disgusting. Spoilers. It's one of my favorite. Everybody dies at the end. Everybody does die at the end of this one, literally. Um, And it's amazing in classic Monty Python style. And, you know, he orders one of everything on the menu and he he orders two six packs of beer. And, you know, um, and it's amazing. And that's that's a form of gluttony as well. And. You know, we could look at lust as a form of gluttony, as an overobsession with sex, and we can look at right. wrath as an overindulgence and anger. And you know, most of these things are like that. Um, the only one that's at all beneficial um, is pride. And there's a certain degree of pride, you know, that, that benefits us, and there's a certain degree of pride that that works against us. And so, let's just talk about gluttony for a minute and, and how that how how our habits affect our dogs. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I, you know, it's funny you said. Where, where gluttony, the, the, the big concept of that is that if I'm eating something to deprive someone else. Yeah. And, you know, I, I catch myself sometimes I'll eat faster because I think someone else is going to get more or something, you know, like that. And I get it. Ooh, that's definitely a form of that. Well, think about that with dogs. Um, I know with my two dogs, I had to work with Oz because as soon as I'd put the food in the bowl, it didn't matter which bowl, he was on it. And he eats really fast. And so I had to teach him to wait. And I feed Molly. And typically what I do is I then go make coffee and do something else. And then I come back and I scoop his. Molly's about halfway done with hers. Then I put his in. He still finishes before she finishes. Now he's gotten to the point where he doesn't go over to her bowl uh-huh. um, afterwards, and she's put him in his place, you know, when he's tried it before. <laughs> and I also don't allow that um, him to go over to her bowl. Uh, and it that would seemingly be that, you know, that it's this they're eating to deprive the other, and yet they just want to eat. I mean, Molly would do the same thing. She goes over to Oz's bowl and sniffs his bowl and licks his bowl. After he's done, sure, you know, just to see if there's any more. I mean, she wakes me up at seven o'clock in the morning. I was, this morning, I got up at six o'clock because I had to pee. So I go pee, I get back in bed, and I'm going, "Leave me alone!" <laughs> it's seven o'clock, man. And I had let him out, 
you know, to go to the bathroom. I don't get up typically without letting them out. So I'd let them out to go to the bathroom. So I knew they didn't have to go to the bathroom at seven o'clock. Man, she is howling at me. I'm like, oh, come on, really? <laughs> she was hungry. <laughs> and I knew it. I knew it. I was like, just 30 minutes. It didn't, uh, it, it didn't last five minutes. I was up giving her food because, you know, she would have just sat there and done that, you know, forever until well, I fed her. She knows it works. That's all she wanted. <laughs> and she went right back to sleep after. You know, we have not talked about this before. There, there is another podcast that we discovered um, as a result of doing the research for this show at the beginning of it. And it's called The Dog's Way. Mm-hmm. And this guy's awesome. He's a very different style of training from you. Although I think, you know, clearly he uses a lot of the same tools or all the same tools, right? Yeah, I don't know that he's a different style of training. I just know when I've listened to him, he's very technical. Very technical, which yeah, very is probably why he resonates with me. He's got a... Right. <laughs> His vocab- I, I've actually had to look up words that he has said before. Yeah. And I like that sort of thing that pushes my vocabulary forward. So anyway, um, he, he calls this phenomenon um, resource protection. This is a great example. The dog Macy and, and Gizmo, my parents' dogs. Um, if I give Gizmo attention, Macy is all over me, man. And she gets in between. She knocks physically knocks him out of the way. And uh, it's frustrating. So I can, it, it, this is, we, we talked about it before. It looks like she's being jealous. Jealous, right. Which is an analytical thought. And the, the, the gentleman on the, uh, oh, I wish I could remember his name. It's such a good show. The Dog's Way podcast. Uh, thedogsway.com is where people can find it. Um, he calls it resource protection and that it's very consistent. And there, apparently there are ways to train around it. Um, Gizmo, the other day, I saw him. He, nobody was anywhere near him. And he mm-hmm. took a turn toward his food bowl and immediately growled, snarled. Nobody was even gesturing towards his food. And he was doing this thing where I don't know if it's just habitual or, or what. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I, I think that all animals, including humans, uh, in that are driven to survive on one level. Uh-huh. And then this, there's this habituation toward more is better, you know, more money, well, I think more food. Too that it's not the more is better. It's that because we have such a survival instinct, that if we don't get it, if we don't take that, then we, especially with a dog, a dog doesn't look in a, a in a we function. They look uh-huh. in an I function. You know, they're going, I have to have this so I can survive. It doesn't matter whether you can get it or not. I mean, that's a big part of the hierarchy. By the way, that guy's name is Sean McDaniel. Sean McDaniel, yes. Right. Awesome show. Um, and uh, I... I see a little bit of that why we've started this thing of overindulging and and over, you know, whatever, overeating, whatever it is. It's because we have this thought of or I have this thought of if I don't do this, I won't survive. I won't be able to, you know, continue on doing what I'm doing. So I have to deprive you. Scarcity mentality. Yeah, I've had this conversation um, a lot with people where there's enough for everybody. The problem is people don't view the world that way. They view the world in the way that if I take of something, if I make a certain amount of money, Devin, you can't make a certain amount of money because I've taken from the pot. That right. There's a limited pot. Right. You know, things like that. And with that kind of view, we will not work together. It's a zero sum game mm-hmm. as in there's only so much and any, any piece that I take is a piece that you cannot take that you cannot right, have. You're taken out of that. And we've, you know, you and I have learned philosophically and spiritually 
through our travels together that it's about abundance and that there's plenty mm-hmm. for everybody. There's plenty of attention. There's plenty of money. And it's about a different lifestyle or a different, a different mindset is what I mean to say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so this is sort of a little background information. What about the, the, the guts of it, the, the practicality of, of feeding a dog human food versus feeding a dog dog food or even, you know, expensive dog foods versus cheaper dog foods? I mean, how, what are your thoughts on, on how that affects a dog's behavior and its training? Well, I mean, there's all kinds of, there's different scenarios in that, in what you're talking about, saying how it affects its behavior, its training, things like that. First of all, I mean, eating healthy is eating healthy. If you're eating healthy, you feel better. If you're eating healthy um, and you're eating, you know, the right amounts, then you're going to feel better. And if you feel better, there's a tendency to be, um, there's a tendency to be pleasant, to, you know, want to be around. If you don't feel good, and, and we had this conversation, I think last episode, we had this conversation that we talked about when I don't feel good. Yeah, it was last episode. When I don't feel good, I don't want anybody around me to feel good. You're right. You know, kind right. of thing. Misery loves that, company. Yeah. And that goes with that health issue as well. If I'm not healthy, if I'm not feeling good, then I'm going to, uh, that misery is going to spread out. That energy is going to spread out around me. So that's one aspect of it where just the health aspect of it. The other thing is, is that, you know, like you talked about, uh, you, you mentioned when you asked that question, expensive dog food versus inexpensive dog food, things like that. Now, I do know that, you know, the, the low end of dog food, the things that we buy, you know, get as cheaply as possible, whatever, they just have a lot of fillers in them. They have a lot of um, uh, things in them. I mean, everything within the food is okay for them to eat. It's been regulated. And, you know, the funny thing about regulations is that dog food is more regulated than human food. Really? Oh, yeah. The regulations so? I mean, by who? Who's the regulating AI. body? I'm sorry? Who is the regulating body? Oh, I'm not sure. Okay. I, I just know that I, I was researching the regulations and I was like, oh my God, this is regulated, this is regulated, this is, and then they were comparing it to human food regulations. There is no regulation on that, like yeah. amounts of things that you can put in. And talking about, you know, high end or low end dog food, I think what happens is that people get caught up in that they have to have all the organic stuff and things like that. And that's kind of where our society is going today anyway. It seems to be the fad of, you know, being healthy or whatever that we're eating organic and eating local and things like that. I don't know that all that's necessary. I do think good quality food. I think what happens is, is that if you get a higher quality food where, where most people avoid is because it's more expensive. And then what they don't realize is that in the long run, the expense is lower because you don't have to feed as much good quality food as you feed this, you know, cheap food. Right, because it's got a higher higher nutritive value, right? Right, right. So you feed them maybe a cup a day for a thirty pound dog, and I and I don't know exactly, you know, what that would be, but just for example, if it's a cup a day for a thirty pound dog of this expensive food, you're probably going to be feeding two to three cups a day of the less expensive food, just because it doesn't have as much nutrition and much value, and it you're you're just getting a lot of fillers. So in the long run, really, the cost kind of equals out or may even get, you know, better um, for your higher quality foods. Now, as far as human food is concerned, you know, and we, we were talking about this earlier. I, I went through the research of this and 
less than 10 years ago, I was at a convention and I was at a, um, one of the um, seminars and it was on nutrition, dog nutrition. And she was telling us that dogs don't taste, that they don't have any process of digesting the food in the mouth like humans do. So when we eat, our digestion process starts immediately and there are enzymes that start breaking down the food and everything. And then it goes to our stomach and completes the process. With a dog, it doesn't start until it hits the stomach. And this is why a dog wolfs everything down very quickly. Now, as I was researching this for this week, this topic, I found things that debunk that because they say that it, they do have you know, saliva. And I know like when I start to pour my dog's food, he drools. You know? So I know he's got saliva. I know that goes on. Um, what I did find is that dogs do have taste buds. Uh, they're just, we have five times more taste buds than the dogs do. Okay. Well, so, so why the discrepancy then? I mean, you got one expert on the one hand saying something to you and then, you know, so who, who do you trust? I don't know. Right. I don't know. I mean, I did the research and I actually looked up, I was looking up, you know, is it okay? You know, dog food versus human food and, and is it okay? And one site actually totally said, yeah, it's okay. You know, just don't give them really spicy foods and don't feed them high carbohydrate stuff like uh, pasta and, and, you know, pizzas and stuff like that. Stay more on the meat and vegetable side, but anything that you can eat, your dog can eat. I'm like, well, that's not true. I mean, I know it's not good for a dog to eat grapes and raisins and chocolate and things like that. Um, yeah, my so, mom actually used to tell me when I was growing up, don't feed the dog cheese because it will back her up. Uh-huh. <laughs> we had this Newfoundland man uh, named Lady. I uh, mm-hmm. may have mentioned her before. I think she was about 120 pounds and she was massive. And, and I remember it was so funny because she would get into these little spaces and it was so entertaining because she'd have to back up to get out of these spaces. And I thought, that's what my mom meant. <laughs> I can get the dog to actually back up, you know. <laughs> and uh, Someone fed her cheese. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> and I also have heard many a time that – uh uh, chocolate is uh, toxic to dogs, and I have no idea if that's if that's true or not. It can be the the it really comes down to the amount. Um, a vet told me one time that the it's really about the amount of chocolate. It can get them sick at any amount. Okay, um, depending on you know their metabolism and all. Uh, and and the rule of thumb is that for every ten pounds of dog, it takes one pound of chocolate to be toxic. Is that right? Okay. Right. So if a 10 pound dog ate a one pound bag of chocolate. Now that's where I also go. Well, first of all, if I dropped a pound of chocolate on the floor (laughs) and left it there for my dog to eat that full pound, (laughs) that's a pretty big amount. That's a lot of food. A lot of chocolate. 10 pound dog. And you got to think about it. So my Molly weighs 75 pounds. I mean, it would take her seven and a half pounds of chocolate to be toxic. Right. And I would never. I would never even test that theory. Sure. Yeah, obviously. I would never test that theory. (laughs) Let's see how far we can push this. No. (laughs) Right, right, right. I'm not going to give her three pounds just to see, you know. Um, And that's a lot. I mean, three pounds. I mean, think of those two-pound bags of M&Ms or whatever. Yeah, right. You know, I couldn't eat a two-pound. Well, maybe I could. (laughs) Maybe, yeah. (laughs) Depends on how long the movie was. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, it's so important to highlight that in this modern era of the Internet in which every piece of information is available and 14 conflicting viewpoints is available, right. it's really important to 
to determine uh, who we can trust, you know, what resources we can trust and what we cannot. I think it's really important on a, you know, to get a relationship with a veterinarian going. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, all of these things that we're talking about, you know, I am not a vet by any means. And this is research I did. And I'm really glad that we're talking about it in this way that, you know, here's one thing I heard at one point, And then now here I go researching it. And here's something else I'm getting. And I'm like, what is what's really true? And I will tell you personally, I trust my vet. So I'm yeah. going to go to my vet and talk to them and see what they say before I would do anything. Right. Let's talk about this since this is a dog training show. Let's talk right. about food as it relates to a dog's behavior. And okay, that's good. Yeah, there's a few because things we, we were talking talk about, about that, and I talked about the health aspect of it. The other aspect is that if you're feeding your dog from your table, I mean, what do you think your dog's going to do? I or, think the dog's going to hover around the table. Right. Yeah. And every time you sit down to the table, boom, they're going to be under your feet or they're going to be begging at the side of the table. Um, I, I think I told you a little story uh, before we started recording about my dog, Berkeley. Berkeley loved pizza bones. Yeah. And it was the crust of the pizza. And it didn't matter if I cooked a 99 cent little Totino's pizza or I, um, you know, had pizza delivered or how, how, whatever the pizza was, he wanted those pizza bones. Any other meal that we sat down to eat, he never would come around the table. If we were eating huh. pizza, man, he was at the table waiting. So what's that about? Is that, did you all, is that because you fed him the bones, the pizza fed bones? Him the pizza bones. We'd uh-huh. reach it right off the, you know, I'd break it off and, you know, he's only four pounds and he really couldn't eat much of anything else. So I had to make sure there was no, um, sauce on it or cheese on it or anything and I would just take a little piece of the crust and I'd throw it on the ground and man he'd go after it and he'd be right back until we were getting up from the table and we're done. Well clearly there's a conditioning effect upon his behavior around the table right? Right because we would sit at the table with pizza. Now anything else we sat at the table he knew he wasn't getting it. Yeah. You know so he didn't and I would guess early on he may have hovered around the table or he may have begged and we just totally ignored it and that went away and the pizza bones, he always ended up getting pizza bones. So, And I'll bet when I was in college and had him, we had lots of pizza, lots of time. Something that you mentioned in a previous episode is that it's not always behavioral. Like if a dog is exhibiting problems, it's not always behavioral. It's really important to look at the dog's health first and foremost. And so absolutely. what if my dog has a stomach ache? Could that affect its behavior? Oh, absolutely. Why not? I mean, I notice stuff about Molly when she's not feeling good. And when she's, you know, the other day, I didn't make her get up and go out because I could tell, I mean, she's not feeling good. And I say the other day, you know, made a couple of weeks ago, she just wasn't feeling good. And, you know, who knows? I mean, she could have got some into something out in the yard. Um, I noticed that um, there was a couple rotten apples in my front yard. So oh, yeah. I mean, kids were out there eating apples and they threw them into the yard, you right. know? And they could have thrown one over the fence. I would have never known. She could have got a hold of that and it could have got her upset. You know, she could have, you know, anything like that. So, you know, those are the things that if you are paying attention to your dog, if you are having these awareness, not just on the behaviors, I mean, having an awareness of what you want from your dog. And like we always talk about stating in the affirmative, what that does, it gives you an opportunity to look for things and you notice other things. Like I told you, I noticed a lump has yeah. come up on her neck. Well, I probably once or twice a week, I do a full rub down of my dogs, you know, just to 
let them, I get down on the floor and just let them, you know, be in my lap and I just rub and rub and rub and rub it all over them and I make them separate. Like one has to wait for the other one <laughs> to be done. Yeah. You know, and um, so I notice those things and it comes to that awareness. You know, if she's eating something or something's going on with her that I'm aware she's not feeling well. And so much of our show comes back to awareness, awareness of yep. what we want. And I was just thinking that we had an episode in which we talked about people getting a dog for the sake of using it as a, as a, as an excuse to exercise. <laughs> right. That was and, episode 13. Yeah. Episode, okay, great. Yeah. Thank you, man. That's right on point, Benny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with that. Sure. Um, in episode 13, then we talked about that and it, it occurred to me that the dog owner is going to treat the dog as the dog owner behaves and as the dog owner thinks. Right. And what I mean by that is if, um, how can we say this without being divisive or offensive? If, if somebody's, <laughs> <laughs> when have you ever worried about that? Ah, thank you. All right. Well then damn the torpedoes full steam ahead. <laughs> we have on the one spe- side of the spectrum, obesity, and we have on the other side of the spectrum, maybe bulimia or, you know, um, What's another one? Um, other eating disorder that people have that is under anyway, where they're super duper skinny. Yeah. Um, I wonder, and I, I, this is just coming up. This is entirely speculation. I'm wondering if people who are morbidly obese, do they feed their dogs the way that they feed themselves? And people who are bulimic, do they, you know, starve their dogs the way that they starve themselves? I mean, I, I'm, this is just a question. I have no idea, if, but I can just imagine that the way that a person is with themselves is how they're going to be with their dogs unless acted upon by some sort of outside force, like a over, you know, Oh my gosh, I got to take care of this dog more than more than I take care of myself, which I've, my parents owned a meat store for 30 years. And, um, they had this customer come in whose name eludes me right now. And she would get a pound and a half of double smoked ham for her cats that like it was entirely for the cat. And my parents owned, probably the most exclusive and definitely the most expensive meat store here in Louisville mm-hmm. for 30 years. And wow. most of, most of their clientele were, were doctors and lawyers and professionals right. um, of the, you know, the, the upper, whatever upper part of society. And um, you know, we had the Binghams, the people who owned the, uh, the Louisville courier journal newspaper at the time were customers of ours. And being in a working class family, it always struck me as odd that somebody was coming in there and they were eating better food than I would eat, you know? Right. And, so I, I don't know. I never saw the animals in question. I never saw the, the cats that were being fed a pound and a half. Were the people overweight? I don't recall this woman being overweight. Now, I was also very young. I was, you know, nine or 11 well, years old. So I don't know. Yeah, there's a trend right now that people are actually making their own food. And this has been going on for a long time. And it's a, it's a trend that it's happening more and more often. And what they're doing is they're buying raw meat and some cooked uh, mainly raw meat dogs can pro- or animals can process that better um, and then they are putting additives and nutrients and things like that. I have had clients that totally grind their own meat, then they add all these additives to it, and then they put them in she was putting them in like a Pringles can like she would stuff this Pringles can full of it, yeah, and then s- freeze it yep, and then she would have little things she'd just slice off what she needed um Every time, you know, each meal and uh, she was making all her own food. That's exactly, dog. you know, at the meat store, that's exactly how we made the, um, the frozen hamburger patties. We put it, my dad called them a baseball bat. We would uh, take a, a PVC tube and we slice it down the middle and then we would line yeah. it with butcher paper, pack it full of meat, freeze it up. And then we would saw it with a high speed bandsaw 
Yeah. Um, so that's interesting to note that people are doing that. I mean, that is dedication. Yeah. That is, that's real dedication to, to, a, to a pet's health and well-being. Right. And, you know, and that's, uh, you know, everything that's going into it. And, you know, but, and back to your question, I have a tendency to believe that that's the truth, that people's animals are going to be like they are. Now, <laughs> my dogs are at the perfect weight and size. And I notice this and I want to make sure, you know, that that's how they are. And I do control their food. And sometimes when I'm scooping their food, I go, man, I wish someone was doing this for me. (laughs) (laughs) It's called a nutritionist or a live-in chef, right? Well, the thing about it is I would have to eat it out of a bowl and have my hands tied. So I didn't have any way to add more to it. (laughs) So... You know, and, and so I'm very aware of that, and I'm aware that that you know is part of the issue. Like, I don't want Molly to get overweight now. I mean, she's so old and she's having trouble walking, anyways. You know, I don't want her to be overweight. So, what's so a way to state that in the affirmative? If you don't want her to be overweight, how can you? What is what is it that you want for her? I want her to stay at a healthy weight. Okay, thank you. I want okay. her to stay at a healthy weight. I want her to feel the best she can um, with her limited uh, ability to you know walk as it is. And I want that for my dogs. And the tendency that I see is if people are overweight, their dogs are overweight. Yep. I had this guy one time and he, I said, dude, your dog is so huge. And he looked at me like, he's perfect. <laughs> and then I was looking at him going, okay, I see why you think that. <laughs> you know? That's well, interesting. That's so we okay kinda, if that's kinda... what he thought perfect was. And, you know. You know, as we mentioned it toward the beginning of the show, um, I'm very surprised that there's no, there's not a conclusive stance that you and I can take on this. That, you know, I'd love to be able to thump my chest and say, never feed your dog, you know, this and always do that. And, you know, but clearly right now I don't have a resource online that I can trust for this sort of information. Right. And as such, you know, I, I think it's an interesting, um, the thought that I'd like to leave our audience with today is it's up to you to pay attention and to find trusted resources. And I believe that that should probably start with a veterinarian. And everything else can be supported by that. Now, when we do find a reliable or, you know, a source that we trust online, like, you know, the doggy version of a Johns Hopkins University or a Mayo Clinic, then then we'll promote that and we'll talk about that. Um, Until then, I leave it to the audience to do their due diligence and to start with the veterinarian and compare notes with what we've said today um, and to be conscious. And my stance is I'm not a big advocate for human food for dogs. You know, these People are making these dog foods. It gets better and better all the time and healthier for dogs. Do your research on the dog food and do things that you would feel comfortable and confident. The other thing is, is, you know, if you're feeding human food, the unfortunate part of that is so many foods are processed now. They're not real food. Yeah. And it can become very harmful and, you know, to even do things that you think are okay. Like I think it's okay. And and I'd bring whatever it is from the restaurant home to give to my dog. And a lot of that stuff ends up being processed in ways that we have no clue that it was being processed. You know, our body can handle it. Dogs always can't. Good thought. Yep. Good thought. Well, that about rounds out the topic. Yeah, that's good. Thank you, Benny, very much. This as as of the date of this release, it'll be Random Acts of Kindness Day. So today's homework is very simple. We want you to give some love to a friend, a neighbor, or even a stranger's dog. Now it's really important to ask for permission. 
And it's really important to look at the body language and make sure that you feel comfortable doing this. Show the dog some love. Give big loves. As a matter of fact, I just had the opportunity to do this today. A strange situation presented itself in which a woman was corralling three dogs in the middle of a four-lane, five-lane highway. And she was frantic. And I had the opportunity to uh, stop and help her out. And she was frantically getting these dogs into her car. I have no idea what the situation was. It was just, uh, it was on the way. I was on the way home to do this recording with you. And then thought, huh, here's an opportunity for me to help out a little bit. So that's your homework for today. Do a random act of kindness. Give some love to a friend's dog, a neighbor's dog, or a stranger's dog. And, uh, and report back to us. Let us know how you did. You can report it on the Facebook page, Family Dog Fusion. Or you can email us at familydogfusion at gmail.com. Thanks. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So you've gotten a little upset that I'm not giving out homework, so you decided to come up with some, huh? Oh, you and your inconsistency, man. (laughs) (laughs) And you took me to task. You're like, I'm not intending to give homework every episode, and you keep giving me crap about it. Well, (laughs) if you're not gonna, I'm gonna. (laughs) That's right. That's our episode for today. What else we got? Our call to action this week for our dog lovers is to give us a rating and review on the iTunes network. Now, the way you can do that is you can go to the link in the show notes for this episode that was um, produced today, or you can go to familydogfusion.com slash iTunes, and you'll get a direct link to the iTunes directory and what I found, now it may not be the case for everyone, I don't know, what I found was is that I, in order to give a written review, I had to subscribe to the Discover Your Dog podcast. So please subscribe, give us a written review, and just let us know what you think. And whatever your thoughts are and however you want to review us, we would love to have those reviews no matter what. All right, everybody, we'll see you all next week when we finally answer that age-old question. What is my dog thinking? See you then. As Norm from Cheers says, it's a dog-eat-dog world out there, and I'm wearing milk bone underwear. Is that really Norm? Yeah. It's not the mailman guy? See, that would be a cliff line. Yeah, the uh, the Phoenicians there, they, uh, you know, invaded Sicily in 1920. <laughs> Listen, why are you not doing that? <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs>